this whole question of location-based services, it's on the cusp of happening. It's going to happen. And people are going to give up even more of their privacy and let people know where they are. And uh, they're going to get all kinds of different services as a result. And most people can't imagine, I can't imagine what these services are going to be, but it's going to be there. Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear weekly podcast. I'm Marcella Cavallero, Esri Manager of National Government Emerging Business, and I'll be your host for today. What you just heard was a preview of our interview with Tom Abel, Senior Manager for Development Partnerships at Accenture, and our guest in this episode. Pay particular attention to his words about betting on technology platforms for digital transformation. Here, Esri CMO Mariana Cantor investigate a common denominator of most enterprise success, location analytics. Tom, hello. Thank you so much for being here with us, and thank you for your time. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks. Recently, Accenture and the World Economic Forum completed a study that values digital transformation at $100 trillion over the next decade. This is three times the annual GDP of the U.S. economy. Why is this number so big? Well, the, I think the reason is that we're starting to see digital transformation go into all aspects of the economy, not just be, you know, the internet or social networking, um, but it really is impacting everything. You know, for example, you know, I, I came out of Silicon Valley. I started my career in Silicon Valley. And when you live there, you see that certain trends are going to happen. Everybody knew a Facebook was going to happen. There were several precursors to Facebook, like MySpace, and, and people knew this was going to happen. But then when Uber happened, really took everybody by surprise. Nobody expected this, you know, 70 billion market cap opportunity to come out of the taxi industry and really transform the way people, um, uh, you know, get get around, you know. And, and now a lot of people don't have cars because they know they can get an Uber so easily and so cheaply. And um, I think that is what the digital transformation is about, that, you know, all aspects of the economy are going to be transformed by uh, the digital re- transformation and that's what this report tried to tried to lay out saying you know look beyond just you know what you've thought of as data and online services and how it's going to impact you know transportation education health uh, you know all aspects of the economy can you characterize the flow of these investments as it pertains to businesses government and the nonprofits yeah I think the investments you know the investments are quite complicated because I think the other thing about the digital economy is that it doesn't take a lot of investment to to do the transfer. It doesn't take a lot of, of cost. You know, you have uh, the ability of startups to be launched on somebody's credit card and a laptop. And so um, the transformation can come from very small investments and can be very disruption or disruptive, or uh, it can come from established players making those um, big bets, you know, that they need to make. And so um, I think that it'll come from all angles. Um, Governments need to invest because they have to build out the infrastructure. They have to, you know, fundamentally it's governments that drive the, uh, you know, the electric grid and the, um, you know, investments and regulations around that and uh, the, the spread of broadband technology. Those are heavily regulated industries the governments need to drive and that's a backbone of the digital economy. And then the private sector, you know, can can do startups. They can, but even the large companies. And we work with all the Fortune 500 practically, and they are all looking at digital disruption and and you know changing their business models around this. So I think you'll see the largest investments, you know, infrastructure investments, 
you know, electricity and broadband, you know, are, are going to be, you know, big dollar investments. And then the, the transformation of, of industries, say, towards electric cars and, you know, all these kinds of things will be heavy investments. But then the startups, the things that are um, more disruptive, oftentimes those are, are very low uh, start, startup level investments, but they make big impact over time. I wanted to ask you also, uh, there's sort of a trajectory on the beneficiaries of this transformation. And would you talk about that trajectory over time? Yeah, I think the beneficiaries, you know, you have obviously the beneficiaries of people who are able to, you know, take advantage of, you know, of the um, changing market segments and, you know, people who, you know, investors who have made, you know, tremendous amounts of, of um, gains on some of these new new companies and new business models, but also the people on the receiving end, you know, people like Airbnb or Uber who can change their their lifestyles and, you know, and, and have a different type of career. And then, you know, the disruptive side of people in traditional industries, you know, who whose jobs will be disrupted and changed. And, and I think that's where we need to have more of a kind of a holistic model to, you know, to get people retrained and to make it easier for people to get new jobs or to move. You know, we have in America a lot of issues of people from the Rust Belt are not able to even move to a place where there are jobs available. And we need to do a better job of making sure that digital transformation is reaching those places in a way that doesn't destroy people's livelihoods. Because it really, overall, people are going to be better off. But it's it doesn't help when you, you know, you create a few billionaires and then you throw 10,000 people out of, out of work. Um, that balance needs to be um, ma- managed somewhat more carefully. So are we talking about uh, this technology being potentially even more polarizing for the economic landscape? I think that polarization is will continue, but the thing is that the technology is not going to slow down. And that's the thing, because we see, you look at China, and in some ways China is showing off these technologies even more um more starkly than what we're seeing in in the West, and and that um, so we can't look at it and say, oh, you know, we can, you can't you can't stop the technology. You have to really solve the the disruptive side with programs. You know, I think even Accenture, we have a program called Skills to Succeed. We're trying to get people into um, entrepreneurship and job skills for the digital age because there's plenty of opportunity. And even though lots of jobs will be disrupted, there's new jobs that are created, new livelihoods are going to be created. And um, the faster people can, you know, can get a handle on it, understand it, see the opportunities, the more it'll work for everybody. I read a piece recently saying that the only jobs left that won't be automated are going to be poets and maybe chefs. Yeah, but I, I think that's funny. We, we see a lot of that. But I think that rea- the reality is, you know, throughout history, this disruption has always happened. You know, in 1900, 50 or 60 percent of Americans were farmers. And now today it's less than 1 percent. And did people say, oh, what are people going to do? You know, they, people move from farm to factories. And that's what my family, my parents went through that generation. Um, but at that time, there was a program to make it easier for people to get those jobs. And that's what you see in China. They've moved 500 million people out of villages into cities. They've they've made it work. And the other thing is, the digital economy will open up new types of work that you can't imagine today. It's because it will be a thousand times more uh, refined and um, 
you, you know, just basically, it, it's it's a lack of imagination to think, well, we on, we can only be a poet, you know. But in fact, <laughs> you can see even today there are, you know, thousands of people that make a living, you know, w writing on the internet or doing blogs or doing doing. Um, you know, innovative things. And we just really have to facilitate that transformation and then make sure people understand that new opportunities will open up, make that easier to happen rather than make people feel like they're losing out on their lifestyle. But yeah, these, all these new things can, can open up and new industries can, you know, can create better futures for people. I want to talk a little bit about commerce and business. In your experience and from your perspective, what do organizations leading the way in this transformation do that others don't do? I think that the ones that are taking a risk and betting on the future without knowing for sure that it's going to pay off. And that's the problem we see in our sector, especially in developing country governments or NGOs. They always want to say, show me a proven success model and I'll invest in it. Uh, it's already too late to invest in a proven success model. Somebody else already invested and beat you there. So you have to invest in something that there's a risk. And I think in technology, you always have to look over the horizon because if you can see it, somebody's already beat you to the punch. So you have to be able to say the future is happening. We know these things are going to happen. You have to take a bet on one, two, three things happening. Bet on one of them. Put, go 100% in, even though it's uncertain. And then follow the the development. And if things veer away from where you're betting, then you have to you have to reassess. But you can't bet on something that's a guaranteed win. You have to bet on something that's risky. And most organizations aren't comfortable with that because they have an established line of business that they know they can make money on, and they can just cost reduce or you know things like that in order to to um, improve their their operations. But in fact, you have to look at the future and understand the future is going to be, you know, an order of magnitude larger than the present. And you have to bet on these things that are uncertain and may even look small today, but they're going to be the future of the of the uh, digital economy is going to be much larger than our, you know, our our information age, our our industrial age economy. And um, those organizations, and I say, you know, we see like um, what Facebook, uh, you know, um, these organizations like Uber or Snapchat, you know, Snapchat came out of just, you know, such a small starting point. They bet 100% on something and now they've got a platform and, you know, they're they're continuing to push the limits. And the rest of the industry, the, the rest of the world is seeing that and they're kind of, I think, making the same transformation. A lot of big companies are making this transformation towards the digital economy and realizing that they need to make these risky bets and uh, partner, maybe partner with uh, startups and uh, really kind of get out there and, and be in the lead of this digital transformation rather than waiting for it to happen to them. What are some of the most important misconceptions about digital technologies and data and this transformation trend? I think the misconception is the inevitability and the scale of it. I think people get that it's happening and they're kind of afraid of it. In some cases, they take advantage of it. They know their data is, you know, is, is um, l less under their control than they might want. But in fact, I think that people don't understand how transformational it is, that it's, this is a, a, um, a nonlinear thing. And the future is going to be a lot different than the past. And people tend not to be able to handle the, the pace of change. And so they don't, you know, it's, it's like a famous thing that somebody said, people underestimate what's going to happen in 10 years, but they overestimate what's going to happen in two years. People can't look out 10 years because it's so different. 
that they they tend to look at what they're doing now and, and incremental changes to that rather than you know things are ten years from now are going to be so different and and it's just hard for people to plan for it. So um, I think really it's that that thing about the exponential change of digital technologies that people really can't grasp. So they can't imagine that ten years from now most cars are, that most new cars are going to be electric cars or that you know solar power is going to be cheaper than than the cheapest fossil fuels. These things, they just can't, they can't imagine it. Maybe it's a, um, maybe a good time to pause for a moment and um, have you characterize what digital transformation is. Uh, digital transformation for me is going from the um, industrial age to the information age. And there's a great analogy where people say in the 18, late 1800s, the railroads were kind of the equivalent of the internet. The railroads of, in the United States represented like 60% of the value of the stock market, and the railroads were really transformed America. Well, today, railroads are like, you know, old technology, but if you look at it, the railroads from the 1800s to today have grown and have produced a positive rate of return. But relative size of the economy, they're nothing now. And that that's because all the new things that were created, all the new industries that nobody in the 1800s could have imagined are all much larger than the railroads. So we, when we go into the future and look back, it'll be the same thing. New industries that are created that we couldn't have thought of today are going to be bigger than all our industries of today. So how can you plan for that? That's what, And the digital transformation is accelerating that, and it's also making it so it's not physical. In the future, you'll be spending a lot more money on virtual goods, information. You'll be spending more money, more of your money on, on information than on a car or a house. And people just, you know, it's hard for people to comprehend that because they're, they're so, um, they're stuck in the, the concept of the physical world and to think of the future where almost everything that they're interacting with is, is information you know, is really kind of where what that transformation is. Let's talk a little bit about some specific technologies that are fueling this digital transformation. What do you think are the most promising ones? Geospatial technology is a big one, and I think that's one nice to mention because it's another thing people don't really get because they now they, you know, they have their online social network, they have their smartphone, they are instantly connected, but they, they're really not using the geospatial information yet. You saw uh, Snapchat just announced that they're going to allow people to broadcast their location to all their friends. You know, this is something that's been available for for 10 years, but now they're starting to do it. And 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 this whole question of location-based services, people have been talking about it for a long time. It's on the cusp of happening. It's going to happen. And people are going to give up even more of their privacy and let people know where they are. And uh, they're going to get all kinds of different services as a result. And most people can't imagine, I can't imagine what these services are going to be, but it's going to be there. So um, that's one thing. I think also people are underestimating the renewable energy revolution. So uh, solar power is already in some places cheaper than even the cheapest coal. And it's going to, with energy storage, solar power is going to bring down the cost of, of electricity globally. And you're going to have this kind of uh, renaissance of cheap green energy around the world and uh, it's going to benefit everybody. And then combining that with, you know, transportation that on demand, you know, self-driving cars, electric cars, it's, it's really going to make things a lot better. And this is kind of the future that people can really believe in because it's not about, you know, Facebook 
you know, knowing everything about you and controlling your life. It's really about a lot of things being opened up, you know, being able to, you know, have a pollution free energy and cheap energy and, and, you know, having all these uh, different services that will benefit you. And of course you have to manage the, you know, who owns what and how your data is being, um, being, um, you know, commercialized. But I, I think that the future is a lot brighter than, you know, than some people would, would, uh, would characterize. I want to turn uh, to your background in supply chain management. I know you have deep experience there. What are some of the most persistent challenges in supply chain management? I think it's this basically constantly driving down the cost, you know, and, and the competition, you know, is always there. So it, it's like if you're, you're in the process. So think about it. The traditional supply chain is companies that have goods and services. They have to build something in a factory and they have to get it to a customer and you know it's so risky i worked for hewlett packard for a long time and they build a printer in in china somewhere and then they 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 have to get it you know ship it to the us to distribution center get it in the store somebody has to get it out of the store they have to bring it into their house before they ever make any money the person has to has to print you know a whole ink cartridge worth of stuff and then buy another ink cartridge before they're ever profitable so you have all that supply chain and all the, you know, buying all the materials to go into it in the first place. Before you ever make a profit, it's at the end of the line. And there's a big risk because, you know, all the costs of getting, and, and that's really the thing about supply chain, that it is that, you know, industrial uh, economy and moving things around. The physical economy will always continue to be there. And it just becomes more and more challenging because the costs and, you know, keep going down and people's expectations keep going up and and um, you have to manage things tighter and tighter all the time down to the minute, you know, every the inventory, you have to know the inventory of every single retail location globally. And, you know, you have to just get more and more information and do it cheaper and cheaper all the time. I would imagine that location as a technology or location intelligence helps mitigate some of these uh, sort of problems. Would you talk Absolutely. about that? Absolutely. You know, when I was working in supply chain, it was a big revolution to go from monthly planning cycles to weekly, you know, and today they're doing daily, you know, they're doing real time planning. So they have a real time understanding of where all the inventory is and they can update it every, every refresh of the data daily or hourly or whatever. So they, they can really manage things down to the, to the wire. So we have a new product coming out. You have to get the old products out of the supply chain, mark them down or whatever that can be done, you know, very on a very refined basis, you know, down to location by location. And I have all these alternative channels to, you know, move products and and um, it's it's just a huge information problem now because um, and and it's it's you know there are all these integrations of all these new services that you know that can um, make things more efficient. I know Accenture talks about uh, unlocking the right data from big data. Do you feel that we're drowning in data? Do you feel that it's a matter of uh, having the right tools to focus on the right data? Could you talk about that? The big data term is starting to be less used now, I think, because for a while the idea was put all, get all your data, gather it all up, it's valuable, put it all together, don't worry about structuring it, just we have all these new tools that can just go after it. and and the organizations that had huge pools of data found that valuable and, and really are, were able to extract value of it. Um, but I think in the future, it's, it's going to be more about real-time data. So it's, it's not just about utilizing all this data you've been building up. 
Um, and it's also um, more about targeting, you know, the, the switch from big data to AI is a big thing because AI is something where you take a bunch of data and then you boil it down to some knowledge that's useful. So I go on my phone now and, and it tells me like, oh, this is my daughter. You can click there and it'll bring up all the other pictures from her because they use an AI algorithm to do, you know, facial recognition across all my pictures, you know, and that's that's big data. You know, they have all these photographs and they've done this, this, but it's really the AI that's boiled down to, you know, you don't have to search it because it's already, it's already been indexed, you know, using this AI tool. So you feel that the machine learning and AI tools are mature enough to deliver real value? They are delivering. I mean, I, I remember when it was two years ago, Google launched Google Photos and I thought this was a huge deal. And nobody, it didn't really make much splash, but the fact that you can put all your photos in there and it will index them all, it will, you, you can go in there and search for, you know, this person, you can search for this location, you can ask, you know, pictures of dogs, it, and, and it's free. And now they, they have like 100 million users and it's, it's super, you know, super valuable. Um, and these things are just starting to pick up, you know, this Snapchat thing with uh, the uh, location sharing. Um, I think really um, there's tremendous value happening now, but it's also only just begun. Like I said, the, the services that will come out of this, we can't even imagine right now. Thank you so very much for a very interesting time. Thanks, Mariana. It was great to be here. Thanks for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Tom Abel for explaining how all aspects of the economy are being impacted by digital transformation. It's critical for business and government to understand the role of location analytics in the digital economy and plan for how different the future will be. To learn more, download our ebook, Making Sense of Digital Transformation, at esri.com forward slash wear. To keep current with new interviews, visit our podcast page at esri.com forward slash podcast.